0: Welcome to Art Glider. Join your favourite art curators as we chat with all kinds of people in the art, culture and NFT space. Welcome to Season 2 of Art Glider, the lightbulb moment. We chat to creative pioneers about their lightbulb moments. We discover what brought up their creative epiphanies and how they followed through to get where they are today. The lightbulb moment provides you with practical tips to work towards your own lightbulb moment. Before we begin, I'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land from which we're recording today. The Gadigal people of the Eora Nation always was and always will be Aboriginal land. On today's episode, we're joined by Elise Slater, who is not only an art maker, but uses her art as a medium to address mental health issues. Elise is a transpersonal art therapist and works as a consultant with neurodiverse artists and is also an art therapist specialising in eating disorders and body image issues. Elise also educates others on sustainable design and is the founder of a social enterprise craft workshop that supports women in
1: Nepal called Live Softly Studio.
0: Welcome Elise to the Lightbulb Moment Podcast.
1: Thanks, Amelia. It's nice to be here.
0: So, Elise, what was your light bulb moment? What was your epiphany recently <laughs> or previously
1: in your life? Sure. Okay, such a great question. Um, well, I've worked in the area of light bulb moments for a large period of my life. I was a trend forecaster in London um, and worked in design teams in the fashion industry. So, um, having light bulb moments was kind of part and parcel of my job for many years, maybe 15 years, in fact. Um, and my personal big epiphany or light bulb moment came when I decided to leave all of that behind because I wanted a shift or a change in direction and I didn't know what that was or what that might look like. Um, And so it sounds a little cliche, a little eat, pray, love, but I took myself off to India for three months, as you do, um, and ended up in a Buddhist retreat, a silent 10-day Buddhist retreat on a hill in the north of India for 10 days um, where I didn't have access to internet, contact with any of my friends, all of those things were taken away from me. Um, And what can I say? But, like, I guess both the Buddhist teachings and the meditations um, created sort of a a spaciousness or a step outside of my everyday life that I'd just kind of been, you know, on autopilot to some degree running through. Um, So on this mountaintop (laughs) in India... um, I was I had almost stepped out of my life and could see it with new perspective. Um, and, yeah, that I had epiphany after epiphany, and it's where both the idea of becoming an art therapist was born and also, as you mentioned, my um, project with women in Nepal working on um, craft products to support them. Both of those sort of serendipitously happened while I was in India. So that was a big turning point for me in my life. You. It was a big year a really <laughs> and big it's year. continued from that point. It's been the light bulb moment that keeps on giving. Oh, incredible. And can you tell me about the art therapy work
0: you do? What, mm. what are some of the challenges and how is this approach to mental health uh,
1: innovative? Yeah, well, um, I guess my own, my own experience of sort of therapy Um, and therapies when I was a young person and the limitations of those, the very clinical models, led me to feel there was really space for a more creative, imaginative, life-giving therapy in that field and particularly in the field of eating disorders which can be very medical model, um, follow one size fits all, I guess. So the magic of art therapy is that it gives clients a different way of looking at things it connects them back with their creativity or that inner light or spark, especially if we 're talking about light bulb moments. Um, art therapy has is sort of innately designed in some ways to create aha moments or light bulb moments because where someone might be in one channel, like repeating the same story in their mind, or also in talk therapy, they might be very used to repeating the same story by inviting them to engage with different art materials, paint, clay. 3D making other things, it invites them to step outside their everyday narrative. um, And often they'll have aha moments in sessions where they can either see things more clearly or see things from a really different perspective or through a different lens. So then they might create something, not always knowing exactly why, and then they're invited to step back and look at the artwork and make their own meaning from it. And often you'll see that little light bulb moment in a client or in group therapy where little realizations or truths drop into place. And I think just linking it back to the topic of today with the light bulb moments, that yeah taking time to step outside your everyday experience creating the space to look at something from a new angle or perspective is um yeah often how those moments are created
0: Mm, you already answered my question because how (laughs) is art therapy encouraging to to light bulb moments but it sounds like you're actually the enabler in these in these moments where they get to create their own work and then they reflect on their pieces in in, when you're when you're working with them that's that's that's, true
1: and the other thing i'll say i think the client The minute someone makes an appointment to come to a therapy session, you know, if someone makes an appointment, you know, they're often hour sessions or an hour and a half session. They're already creating that space to themselves. So just by giving yourself that that time outside of your everyday routine, you know, whether you go to work or whatever your daily routine is, to say, hey, I'm going to go to therapy for an hour, next week is creating that spaciousness for those light bulb moments. So I think it's that stepping out of the everyday, stepping into a different space where Mm. you can have a bit of perspective. Interesting. Reflect back.
0: Because we do that sometimes at the office. We're like, right, let's go for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> we went yeah, for a walk. We beautiful. got all oh, got blown away. But just getting out and doing something totally different mm. rather than being, you know, in, in front of your computer all the time and, and, mm. and, 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 you know, working. And it's like, you know, just getting up and moving and changing that energy. So You're right true. about that. You gr- mm. Did you grow up in a creative environment? Because I'm just seeing if there's actually a trend here with, with everyone that we're getting onto our second series of the podcast. If If you're creative and your creative light bulb moments, is that because it's been facilitated from when you were younger in in your younger years? Mm. It's not necessarily for myself, but for for yourself, uh, Elise. Did Mm. you have, were your parents creative? Mm.
1: No, if I can speak on behalf of my parents, they'd say I'm an anomaly and they don't know where I got that from. Yeah, okay. (laughs) But I will say, my parents, while maybe not actively creators themselves in the sort of traditional way we might call someone an artist or a creative, um, they were always very interested in taking us as kids travelling out to museums or to see theatre shows and things. So I think while they didn't practise it, they always took us out to cultural things. And so travelling from a young age, going, you know, just becoming curious about the world and also seeing experiences you know Mm. experiencing yeah Yeah. whether it's museums or going overseas so I think that stayed with me and so I was just a little sponge taking all of that in which was thanks to them that's really interesting um I'd love
0: to, could you tell me about your career change while working in design in London and fashion and how you've now, you know, you're in Australia now and you're working as an art therapist and that journey to get there, like how Mm. that must have been quite huge in a way or was it huge or Mm. tell tell us about your Mm. journey.
1: Yeah. Um, It's funny, I guess if people just looked at my CV, it probably looks like a big shift or a big jump from one thing to another, but there's actually very similar threads running throughout. And for me, all of those things um, are very linked. So my own interest, I guess, in body politics, in the female body, in eating disorders, the role of fashion, um, particularly on female bodies, was something I was very interested in from a young age as well as sustainable design was always something that really interested me as well from a very young age. So that's when I um, went to study fashion design at UTS here where we're recording today. Cool. <laughs> um, so that led me into my career in fashion and design, but I was always very interested in, I guess, those very political, you might call them feminist aspects of the fashion industry and also in the sustainable design aspects of the fashion industry. Um and when I was in London, it led me to work with Susie Orbach as well, who in the 70s wrote Fat is a Feminist Issue. So I was very involved, again, in that political side, also around the space of eating disorders and mental health, um, especially related to yeah, image and fashion and what have you. So you can kind of see there's already threads linking through. So. I never knew art therapy existed when I was a young person. In fact, lots of people still don't know what an art therapist is when I say that's what I do. So I guess that wasn't even an option for me back then. It was only, again, in India where I actually met some art therapists, American art therapists, who were there doing a placement. Then I went, oh, art therapy, what's that? And it perfectly aligned with my interest in mental health, design and creativity because it obviously uses art as a medium. Uh, I've always had an interest in people's psychology and how they tick and how they work and because I'm in that eating disorder space I'm often talking particularly with young clients about both the fashion industry social media how it impacts their wellness so while it looks like I had a complete twist in my uh, career it actually all all of those things feed into what I do now and complement each other
0: Oh, that's incredible. I mean, there's so much to unpack in what you actually just said then. And Mm. it's so true because at the moment there's Fashion Week on and I did go to Fashion Week and I was like (laughs) – Oh my goodness! I mean, I've got a daughter who's mm-hmm. eleven, just about to go in there and she is. I, I don't. I take the phone off her quite a lot because <laughs> we have these moments. But it, there is that that, uh, that idea of fashion and creativity. But then we have this, I you know, that body dis. Like I, I even I look at that thinking it's it's actually yeah. It's mm-hmm. do you do you work with a lot of because I, I know that you had you were working at the Wesley um, mm-hmm. Hospital for a lot in the eating disorder clinic. Did you really feel like your art therapy really did help them and, and grow and and and. Give them that confidence back
1: because yeah. that's a hard,
0: that's a hard. you know, it's a really hard right being in the face, the hard face of, you know, these young girls, of uh, these vulnerable, vulnerable girls.
1: Yes, yes, definitely. Girls, and I will say, I mean, we had we had people of all genders, um, yeah. Girls, the, exactly,
0: girls in, in there. Yes. <laughs>
1: no, that's all good, that's all good. Um, so, yeah, I definitely saw... Well, I guess, again, taking art therapy, like (laughs) it's very different working in a hospital setting as an art therapist versus in private practice. So in private practice, people say, hey, I'm interested in art therapy. I want to come and explore that. So they're coming willingly. In a hospital setting, they're generally there. And so when you come in as the art therapist, people are like... Want to scream and crawl up the walls and run out the door because lots of people are really scared of the word art and creativity.
0: Interesting, yeah. <laughs> so okay. it's not
1: necessarily a willing audience in a sense. So part of the really interesting thing working as an art therapist uh, at so in that case Wesley Mission had a hospital with an eating disorders unit um, was seeing people reengage with their creativity. People who would say, "I'm not creative. I don't have a creative bone in my body," and how on earth would this help me? in the space of, you know, something as serious as mental health um, concerns. Um, so seeing people open up to that, again, have aha moments to see how deep art therapy um, could be for them in terms of having realisations and meanings and sharing with the group, Um was really enlightening, like was was quite amazing to see. And then the, lots of those people would go on to, you know, maybe keeping their own art journals and things as a way of like, you know, so it just open that door because so many of us have creativity stripped from us at a young age by maybe a well-meaning but, you know, not so great art teacher or, you know, just that very notion of having your art marked as a young person and some people are good and some people are bad. And so we just put ourselves in those boxes and stay there for life often. So to re-engage with that in a non-judgmental way um, because none of the art in art therapy is judged. It's not good or bad or Mm. worthy of putting on the fridge or not. It's pure expression and about the process. So helping people re-engage with that was really meaningful.
0: Incredible. And what do you think the benefits are of engaging with art on a daily basis? Because
1: I know you Mm. have been...
0: To doing art every day, <laughs> so uh, I'd love to hear what what you feel like the, and and how, how to do it actually, how to start something like that. Mm. It doesn't have to be art because there might be people that are listening today. It could be music, it could be mm. theater, it could be anything that you um you can spark creativity. Mm. So maybe I, I can re- reframe that question. What do you think yeah, the benefits of you know engaging in your creative practice mm. as a, a to get you, spark joy? I guess mm. how how, how yeah. how's it benefit?
1: Well, something I actually – I know you've done this too, Amelia, because we were in a group together that did it, but one of the first ways I would suggest to people interested in having more flow in their day-to-day life and sort of opening up to thinking more creatively is um, the artist's way practice. So Julia Cameron, who wrote The Artist's Way, and and there's various groups around Sydney that you can join to do it, but is the act of – automatic writing or brain dump writing. So where each morning you're invited to write three pages of automatic writing. So it doesn't have to make sense. doesn't have to have good grammar, spelling. No one's going to read it. Even you're not really meant to read it again. So it's each morning writing down three pages of whatever comes to your head, as it comes to your head. Might be the same sentence over and over. Might be like, I hate doing this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> whatever that is. And um, And usually people will sort of have breakthroughs. So, and I know Julia Cameron also explains it this way, that it's getting rid of like the surface level gunk off the top of your head um, and sort of clearing the way for other thoughts and also for flow to come into your life as well. Um, And I know when I've done it, um, often... it it also kind of paves the way, I guess, in some ways for more little light bulb moments or aha moments in your own life too. Because while something might circle in your head over and over, once you get it out onto the page, it kind of brings it into the light. So things stop circling and you can kind of move both forward more and maybe have little realizations about yourself, the inner dialogue you have for yourself that often we're not conscious of until it's either brought out in a therapy session or written down on a page like this. So yeah, the artist Way page is, I think, a really great way to start moving into a more creative space in your life. And do you think you can, uh, you can willingly
0: design or create a light bulb moment?
1: Hmm. Good question. Um, I used to, I used to also teach design for a while and we'd talk a bit about the design thinking process and how, you know, students in this case could come up with new ideas for whatever products or brands or whatever that might be. Um, And some of the key parts of that were, I think, step one, is the curious word, be curious, research everything, put your feelers out, talk to people, go to things, see what's happening in the world. Um, And particularly if there's an area you're interested in, look at all the aspects of that area. And then step two is step away from all of that. So create that spaciousness, like you said before, with the walk that you take your team on. Like go and go for a bushwalk, take a meditation retreat, um, but consciously step away from all of that information and give your brain, I guess, a break in some ways or move into a different – I mean, travel's great for that because it takes you out of your immediate surrounds Um, because there's kind of an unconscious processing that's happening at that point too. So it's like all the information you've gathered sort of is swirling around in the back of your mind unconsciously and, yeah, they're often the moments then I think that, ah, suddenly you're in the shower and an idea pops up or – yeah, uh, or you meet someone who's totally unrelated and they say something and something just clicks. So, yeah.
0: And is it being like reflective, I guess? It's, it's, it sounds like that those moments of being reflective of once you've got all this information.
1: Yeah, stepping away and looking back with perspective. Yeah, reflecting back, definitely. Yeah, interesting. And so
0: uh, you've been part of so many programs, um, such as the Changing Bodies, Changing Mind program at Randwick Women's Hospital and, Child- and Women's Circle run by the studio Live Softly. What is the process of finding ideas for this program? Is there one initiative that sticks out to you or do you just feel like it you know, comes up and you've got a sort of it comes out of you? So how does, how does that
1: happen? Mm. I think the ideas often spring out of needs. So the Changing Bodies, Changing Minds program um, is something designed by Joe Rockendorfer, so one of my art therapy mentors. Um, and that's a program for 10-year-old um well, it's for 10-year-old girls, actually, and it's looking at puberty, menstruation, body image, um, and doing that in a group situation with them, using lots of art and role play and really embodied uh, things to help them both discuss it, demystify it, make it fun. Um, they can ask all those questions they might be too embarrassed to ask, you know, the adults in their life. Um So that comes out of a need, right? Like we need to, these things that for a long time had shame around them, um, that our young people are struggling with. So it was when two things clash, like so the need and also going, wow, art therapy is this amazing medium that's creative and helps people discuss. So how do we bring those two things together and deliver a program that's, yeah, innovative and impactful? Mm, Incredible. Could you um,
0: you, can you tell us about any up and coming projects you've got on, or what are you what are you working on that people don't know about? (laughs) What's stirring inside
1: you? (laughs) What's stirring inside me is another trip to India. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Well, maybe you've answered your own question then. Yeah. um, I must. Yes. So at the moment, I mainly work one to one with clients in my art therapy practice. That kind of happened I guess through COVID and also I'd done so much group work for me it was just more sustainable to start working one-on-one with clients
0: how many clients have you got in one week
1: uh I don't take on a huge client load just because it's actually you know emotionally it's a lot as well so I would only ever see up to 15 clients a week maximum That's Um, quite a lot, still. It is a lot. (laughs) 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 Wow. Yes, I might need to cut that back to (laughs) twelve. It is a lot, but there's a lot of therapists that see a lot more than that too, which I just, I just, yeah, is not sustainable for me. So I guess I have a balance between my art therapy work and also my Live Softly Mm -hmm. Nepal project, which is um, my the felt goods that um. I sell through stockers here, and I have in it actually. Australia. That la- the laptop cover—it's
0: bright pink and it's made in in Nepal. Maybe you can tell yeah. us a little bit about it because it's stocked. I think at Mona down in Tasmania mm-hmm. in Australia. Here, mm-hmm. it's um and a lot of yeah. Just tell us a little bit about that
1: project because yeah. it's really about giving back and the social impact of that. Yes. So I sound like I'm such a spiritual group at this moment, but that was another Buddhist retreat in Nepal that time. Again, I was had stepped away from that design career and it just happened that a few metres below the monastery that I was staying at was this craft group that um, essentially provide medical treatment, um, care, housing... Um, schooling, et cetera, for people and their families who are affected by leprosy. So they also teach the people who are able to um, different craft skills, papermaking, weaving, um, felting with wool. Um, So I came across them and thought, wow, Like, how do I put my 15 years of design, um, education and knowledge to create something that's sustainable, that the world maybe needs. I didn't want to create superfluous products or things just for the sake of creating more things. Um, So the result, which sounds a bit funny when I say it, but was a 100% wool felted laptop case. So I thought, you know what, it protects something. Um, Lots of the alternatives are plastic or polystyrene or synthetic things. Um, And yeah. So they're these beautifully, as you said, brightly coloured woolen ombre um felt cases and there's no machinery. It's all it's literally wool fibers that are just rubbed with soap and water in one piece. So there's no waste of materials to create these laptop covers. So that's been going I think for like eight or nine years now. Um so yeah, we're selling through our website and through yeah, a few stores around Australia. So, what's
0: the website called? Just live
1: dot co. Yeah, so live softly.
0: So it means like tread lightly. Live softly. dot Okay, thank yeah, you. Yeah, that's exactly. Oh. It. <laughs> and I mean, what's? Your, I mean, one of my last questions, I guess, to you is, what's your relationship to art making now? Like, what mm. I, I suppose because you're also a therapist and. It's interesting when you told me you've got 15 people that you're seeing in one week I'm like that's quite a lot of like a lot of emotions I guess mm-hmm. I mean does mm. therapists see therapists as well and do you think yeah. other therapists out there see therapists because I'm just thinking if you've only got 15 <laughs> what are these other therapists out there how many do they have a week I mean oh my goodness me do they they must need therapy like quite a lot after that like holy moly
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just me I'm like whoa yes it's a big chain reaction yes yeah. Um, yeah, so, well all therapists are required to see a supervisor therapist so that's part of our just being a professional therapist so you have to do that um it's making sure you're you're running your uh seeing your clients in an ethical manner um and you can also see um your supervisor about any issues coming up so yes i do yep um and if anything comes up for me I might engage another separate therapist too to work through that. I regularly join other art therapists groups as well and partake in um, group art therapy. I'm doing a little art course at the moment as well myself just for that very reason that you said. I think I can't sort of, you know, I'm often helping other people access their creativity so it's easy to kind of forget to do that yourself um when you're working in that space. So I'm really actively putting some time aside myself to try to really do my own do my own art <laughs> mm. and keep that alive in me too so that I'm practicing what I'm preaching. I call that filling your cup up, right? You yeah. need to fill up your cup to, before you can fill up other people's as well. Yes, and noticing when you're running from an empty cup too and yeah. stopping at that moment and changing something.
0: Yeah. Interesting. And mm. my last question, mm. do you have any advice for our listeners? Hmm. Any advice <laughs> at all, like being creative, like mm. what they can do today or in the future, like mm. how I mean, they might be listening the car or while they're going for a walk down the street, they may have had. How how do you how can you go mm. back into your creativity? How can you go back into yourself? What what sort of advice mm. that you wish that you had?
1: Yeah, beautiful. I would say because so many people get wrapped up in the idea of creativity being I need to paint or make pottery or do something is just to engage in living creatively so whether that's deciding to do one thing this week that's new and different it might be baking like making a recipe that you've never made before because that's an act of creativity it might be taking a walk and picking a little bunch of weeds or wildflowers on your walk so yeah or just stopping lying down and appreciating the clouds and seeing the shapes that you see in them so just these little like tiny acts of creativity um to spark a bit more wonder um in your day and beauty in your day I think we don't have to get out the paintbrushes or set aside a whole day to do something so just yeah five Mm. minutes of wonder and creativity here and there wherever you can snatch them and you are right beauty is everywhere if you actually start looking
0: for it right Mm -hmm. thank Mm -hmm. you so much for joining us today Elise really enjoyed (laughs) talking to you on so many different levels and We're actually very good friends, so we know each other quite well and Mm. I've even learnt something even more about you on these other levels because I got to ask questions that I probably wouldn't have, you know, because I'm around you so much. So thank you so much for for being here today and sharing your story with everyone and everything that you do. Thank you, Amelia.
1: You're such a bright light of creativity in Sydney yourself. (laughs) Oh, thanks. Thank you for tuning in to The Lightbulb Moment, where creatives shed light on their
0: career-defining epiphanies. Don't forget to like and share this episode and leave a review if you love what we do. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter or LinkedIn at artpharmacy or sugarglider.digital and watch your space for more tips from creative pioneers.